0: your country can do for you ask what you can do for
1: your country hello and welcome to episode 245 of public interest podcast with your host jordan cooper where we interview politicians activists advocates and others who seek to improve the state of the world we're here today with Stephen echo exo kreischer the director of the one campaign germany he's a former senior consultant of seek development and the former head of office berlin For German World Hunger Aid. He's also formerly with Doctors Without Borders and the Carnegie Council for Ethics and International Affairs. A note on the One Campaign, it is a position where he is lobbying and campaigning to combat extreme poverty and preventable diseases, particularly in Africa. Stefan, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing?
0: I'm well. Thank you very much.
1: Excellent. So the first question I'd like to pose to you is, what are you currently doing or what have you ever done to advance the public interest and why?
0: Uh, currently, we are um, gearing up to the federal election that is coming up on uh, September 24th, and we want to make sure that all candidates for the new um, federal Bundestag, our parliament, know that um, to a large majority of the Germans, development cooperation and issues around poverty, um, um, the ending extreme poverty and uh, ending uh, death by um, Preventable diseases is important, and that they expect the next government um, to uh, put forward a strong development cooperation by Germany, and to include strong language within their coalition treaty um, that they will, uh, you know, come up with after the election.
1: So, does that are you an endorsing organization who's reaching out to the uh, Christian uh, the the Christian Democrats, and are you reaching out to the leftists and the alternative party? You reaching out to politicians from every party and asking them to pledge to support the mission of the one campaign if they were to be elected to the Bundestag.
0: Exactly. Yeah we are not we're strictly nonpartisan so we are reaching out to, to every party um Realistically having a chance to enter the Bundestag, I mean, there are um, too many parties to um, reach out to all of them. Right. Um, but there are about six who are realistically going to be um, in the Bundestag after the elections. And we're reaching out to all candidates of those parties and asking them to sign our um, central petition pledge, the Article 1. That is um, closely linked or a play on words to the first article of the German um, uh, constitution, which states that uh, human dignity is um, inviolable and has to be secured and um, um, by um, you know every government institution, um, and this is a very short pledge um, asking the German government to be a, a good partner to African states. To um, keep their promises um, in con- concerning development cooperation, and to invest more in health, in education, and in the fight against um, hunger. Yeah. And um, you know supporters um, so far in the four weeks that it, that the Article one has been live, more than 10,000 supporters have signed it already. Um, three of the top candidates um, of the um, six parties um, that are likely going to be in the Bundestag have already signed and we hope to get many more.
1: Mm -hmm. So how long have you been offering the pledge? Is this the first time, or have you done it for multiple election cycles?
0: Um, We had this pledge in 2009 and 2013 as well. And um, our aim is to get uh, an absolute majority of the then newly elected members of parliament to have signed the Article 1. And in 2013, we actually managed that. 60% of the members of the new parliament had signed the Article 1.
1: Interesting. So so you've had a few election cycles. You're actually in the end of your second and entering into the third election cycle where this pledge has been in effect. Do you have any data on the effect of this pledge and whether it actually in, in led to an increase in foreign, German uh, direct foreign aid in uh, philanthropic uh, endeavors in sub-Saharan Africa?
0: That's always it's always really hard to to measure um, scientifically Um, what it does and what it did um, do for us is it helped us, of course, as an entry point. We could always go back and, you know, when we wanted to have a a meeting with a parliamentarian or when we wanted to talk to a government official, we could always go back and say, hey, listen, this is like the one thing that even before the election and then certainly after the election got an absolute majority. The only thing got an absolute majority within uh, parliament and it is something that the german public deeply cares about so it enabled us of course to you know go into meetings and uh, make the case for certain more specific things much more forcefully the article one is very general Mm -hmm. we try to keep it so that you know a lot of uh, candidates from a lot of parties can sign it, and then we could you know building on that we go in with more specific asks and it certainly helped us and we've seen in the last You know, three to four years, an incredible um, increase in German foreign direct investment. And um, many more politicians, like the finance minister, like you know, other ministers that are not directly engaged within development cooperation, they have understood that development cooperation is not just a a topic for a niche, that it's actually, you know, should be central to um, German. Um, you know, to all German government policies because it is about the future, about how to um, um, deal with and to uh, tackle some of the challenges of globalization. So that, you know, it helps us. But, you know, uh, scientifically measuring the impact that the Article 1 directly had, very difficult.
1: So, Stefan, I know that uh, the Global One campaign uh, has raised $37.5 billion to fight AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria, particularly in sub-Saharan Africa. Do you know how much uh, approximately uh, German Germany invests each year in foreign direct investment in sub-Saharan Africa?
0: In sub-Saharan Africa, um, let me check. I have the, the numbers...
1: Or approximately how much Germany is investing globally in foreign direct investment you said it's been increasing every year
0: yeah it's um, I think yeah, it's over a problem with the euro dollar conversions but I think at the um, the moment Germany is giving about um, 18 billion so and um, mm-hmm. this year for the first time we reached the 0.7 uh, percent target but that only, I have to say, um, unfortunately, because Germany um, includes a lot of the, and it is allowed to do that, includes some of the donor refugee costs, so the costs that, um, that occur within the country to take care of refugees that came to Germany um, in those numbers. So that's the only reason why Germany at the moment reached the 0.7% target. However, um, you know, even without those costs, German ODA increased over the last um, you know the last years and actually at the moment um, the estimates for 2016 are um, 24 billion um, US dollars the 18 billion were for 2015
1: so um, you said that it's just over a half a percent I suppose it's of gross domestic product correct mm,
0: yes no, no, it's gross national income,
1: I think. Oh, gross national income. So how does that compare to uh, the One Campaign's activism in other nations around the world? Do many nations give more than, less than, or approximately the same amount as a percentage of uh, of GDP or another approximate measure?
0: Well, well all of them actually you know, signed up to... Um, to reach 0.7, but uh, only very few actually do reach that target. So that's there's a lot um, that still needs to be done in terms of campaigning, um, and it's you know it's such a small ratio if you look at uh, the, the overall gross national income. But nevertheless, um, a lot of nations do not live up to their promise, um, and uh, when it Sorry, I lost my train of, of, of so, thought there. So Stefan, um, and 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 one thing, the one thing I wanted to say is what we see in a lot of nations right now is that this comes under attack. Um, you know, in the United States, um, even in France, um, it was not clear whether or not um, there is going to be growth in foreign direct investment. In the UK, there is a debate around changing the definition uh, of what could be counted as ODA as foreign direct uh, um, as official development assistance. Um, we kind of feel that only in Germany at the moment we have a more positive environment for um, official development assistance, assistance, and for an increase of that.
1: So there is a uh, a sense of uh, within Germany, at least within a small some population within Germany, as interested in focusing, as you mentioned just now, more more on Germany. There's a as I, as, as is often mentioned in these podcast interviews, a rising tide of of populism around the world. And you saw that with Brexit. Uh, you see that with uh, the rise of far right wing parties in Germany, you have the uh, alternative uh, party. Um, and so these individuals may be interested in, in less less be, uh, becoming less in- integrated into the European Union and certainly less integrated into the global community, more interested in focusing inward on Germany. How do you, as a director of the One Campaign Germany, make an argument to the German people and to German politicians that it's in Germany's interest to invest in foreign direct investment in sub-Saharan Africa thousands of miles away?
0: One of the, um, I think one of the main uh, arguments that we, especially in the context of the G20 presidency that Germany held or is still holding actually this year, and we had the G20 summit in Hamburg in, in July, is that if you look at um, if you look at the demographic uh, development on the African continent we um, know uh, quite um, uh, certain um, that the um, population will will more than double um, until 2015 um, there will be about or even more than 2.5 billion people living on the African country uh, continent and more than half of those will be 24 and younger so it's going to be um, a very popular continent, um, extreme population growth over the next twenty years, and it's going to be a very young continent. And this, you know, this can be an opportunity um, if we invest in the right things in education, in empowerment, and in employment now. If we make sure um, that you know the right policies are in place, both in terms of development cooperation, but of course as well in terms of domestic policies within those African uh, states, then this this population growth can be an extreme opportunity to um, you know to achieve a, a demographic dividend what it's called where um, where this uh, the fact that there are so many people in the working population compared to the part of the population that is dependent on them um, can actually bring about a lot of economic growth um, and can you know jumpstart economic development uh, on the African continent and that is good. For, for Germany, that's good for Europe because that would mean that we have, you know, so many more people within African uh, states that see an opportunity, a perspective for them, their families within their countries. So, you know, that will mean that uh, fewer people will um, uh, take to the boats and, and come to, um, in a disorganized way, come to Europe. Um, so, you know, r- less refugees. It will also mean, though, um, that there are many more skilled people um, living in on the African continent that um, might then uh, you know migrate to Europe um, legally and we will need um, migration of skilled labor um, in the future in Germany and in Europe because we you know our population growth isn't um, isn't that great isn't that big um, uh, and it's not um, foreseen to, to you know to, to change and we will need um, the uh, integration of skilled labor uh, in order to keep up our economies. So it's in our interest, both in, you know, um, in terms of global stability and regional stability, but also in terms of um, how we are going to uh, um, uh, ensure our um, economic growth and our wealth um, in the future um, when we see a, a decrease in, in the working population within Germany and within Europe.
1: Now, Stefan, uh, I would like to take the, uh, the next few minutes and pivot to your personal story. Uh, why is it that you've been so interested uh, in international development, particularly in uh, developing nations around the world throughout the entirety of your career? Could you explain your path and how you ended up uh, coming here to the One Campaign?
0: Sure. Um, I've always been interested in... Um, international affairs, so to speak, in, in different cultures, in traveling, in uh, you know cultural exchange. Um, as, a, as a student in high school, I went for a year to uh, you know, live and, uh, and study uh, in the United States, then during university as well. And all of them, the courses I visited, um, most of the courses I visited while doing my studies at university um, were focused on international themes so you know uh, those global uh, doings were always what what um, interested me and then um, I, I think I have a strong sense of, of justice of um, being enraged by by injustice but also of being uh, motivated to uh, you know to work to to um, um, be a small part of um, hopefully changing some of the injustices that we see in our world that are just um, appalling, I think. Um, You know, my first job in that respect was with with Doctors Without Borders, where I worked in the campaign Access to Essential Medicines, and I just couldn't, uh, um, you know... Understand why there are so many millions of people that die each year just because they cannot afford um, the medicine that is there, or just because there is no medicine um, because large companies do not do research and development on those um, diseases because only poor people die of them and there's no market. Um, that's what we, you know, fought for in that campaign. And um, basically, this this sense of you know the, of there's so much injustice uh, when we look at the global situation, and we need to do something to change that, because it's right. Um, but also, you know, also because it's in our interest, but mainly because it's right. That is something that that motivates me very, very strongly, yeah. and um, that gives me a great sense of purpose of you know to what I do. I I couldn't really imagine going uh, to work every day and doing something that where I don't see a, a, a real purpose to.
1: So uh, we, as we approach the end of this podcast and on the topic of purpose, I'd like to ask you to reflect for a moment on what you hope your legacy might be one day and what the impact of your work uh, that you find so meaningful will be.
0: Me specifically, I mean, I'm, I'm humbled in that, <laughs> in that respect that I know I can only be like a very small part of a large movement that will hopefully... Um, you know, over the next, um, well, very hopefully, over the next 13 years until the um, sustainable development goals are, uh, are supposed to be reached, um, have made uh, uh, extreme poverty uh, history, uh, and has made um, you know death of preventable diseases history, and and so on and so forth, and and brought humanity to a path where um, you know where things are more just, where we. live within the boundaries of what our planet can take um and um, yeah i would very much like to to look back and and, you know talk to to uh, my two sons once they're grown and tell them that um i was a very small part of of that movement that uh, made the world a, a better place and made the world a place where you know both of them um, um, will want to live in and will uh, be able to, you know, to travel to any country that they would like to invite friends from any country um, they would like to uh, to invite to their country, and just see a, a global um, community of um, uh, of people that are that are not focusing on nationalist ideas, but are, but know that international cooperation and that the exchange of um, of ideas and of cultures is just a good thing
1: so that has been stefan exo kreischer the director of the one campaign germany who's spent a lifetime a career to date uh in helping improve the state of the world for individuals in developing nations um he's working on turning caskets into cribs and funerals into birthdays he's somebody who's enraged by injustice and seeks to advance the public interest by uh, ensuring that on a domestic front in Germany, the German people recognize that to, to improve the state of humanity is to actually advance Germany's own interests. He speaks about the opportunity to educate uh, and, uh, Sub-Saharan Africans, to reduce uneducated immigration, uh, with, and there's a, in light of a huge refugee crisis in Germany, but also speaks about improving legal immigration of skilled workers to Germany through the development of infrastructure and training in sub-Saharan Africa, and particularly in ensuring that they live to actually work another day. So, Stephen, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank
0: you very much, Jordan.
1: This has been another episode of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. I'll remind you to subscribe on PublicInterestPodcast.com and on iTunes. Leave a review of this podcast on iTunes and listen on Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, Blueberry, Player FM, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Should you wish to comment on this episode, you're welcome to leave a voicemail at 240-630-0380. And the first three minutes of that voicemail may be played in future episodes of Public Interest Podcast. Should you wish to support the podcast, you're welcome to leave a contribution in an amount that you feel comfortable with at publicinterestpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.